welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Last week, I, fin- I, I did a part one of a two-part talk called How to, How to Pray Like Jesus. And I'll just want to summarize some quick points that I made last, last week. Prayer is a way of living open to what God is doing. Um, we talked about prayer, not just about a transaction that's taking place, but it's a, a way of existence. It's a way of being open to what God is doing in the world. And so we say yes to God um, and to his way of life. Prayer is uh, fundamentally about an intimate relationship that you have with the Heavenly Father. Prayer is about extending God's way of life on earth as it is in heaven through your life. Prayer is about participating in God's work here and now. Prayer requires brutal honesty, vulnerability, and transparency, transparency and authenticity, all of these E's and T's and Isities. Prayer softens your heart. A life of prayer will empower healthy living and relationship. And prayer re-energizes us to remain obedient. Remember not to bring your phone up on stage um, as you get text messages about what you're wearing. Um, I put on do not disturb prayer. <laughs> re-energizes us to remain obedient and stay aligned to God's way of life. So that's what we talked about last week. Um, And today I'm going to go into another subject. How do you pray like Jesus? How do you move forward in um, the ways that Jesus invites us to move forward? I thought I would read this uh, quick text and then invite someone up to share a little bit. So it says this in Luke chapter 11, verse uh, verse 5. So last week, we looked at the first four verses of chapter 11. We're, we're going to look at f- uh, five more verses. Luke chapter 11, verse 5 says this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose that you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything, I tell you. Um, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. Listen to this, this is important. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil or corrupt, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give you, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? Amen? The word of the Lord. This is scripture. The word of the Lord is a classic kind of thing they did in the church where, where there's a response, I think. Don, what's the response after you say that? Is it amen? Thanks be to God. Be to God. Okay. Again, I left my, my collar and my robe at home. Um, hey, so we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And um, last week we talked about the aim, the goal is that we become the kinds of people that can ask for whatever we wish and it be given to us. That's the goal. This whole thing called discipleship, following Jesus, that's the aim. And I've come to terms with today's sermon, which is really a teaching. I really believe it's just for a handful of people in our church, but I decided that despite that, I'm still gonna give it um, because I think if we take seriously what some of the applications that we have, it will unleash a movement. So um, we're going to talk about prayer in a different way, but to begin with this, I want to frame it with a friend of mine. Jim, will you come up here? This is my friend Jim. Will you welcome Jim up here? 
Uh, this is Jim Eaton. He's been with us at the garden for a year, been a Christian, watch your step, um, most of his life. And uh, he's had some great stories that's taken place over the last several months. And, and they're too good not to share. So uh, I thought this is a perfect illustration that I can kind of talk through as we, as we teach on prayer. But Jim, you, some stuff has happened in your life, um, specific healings and stuff. Why don't you tell us what, what occurred over the last several months? Well, um, I'll go back about six months ago. Um, my family and I were in Europe and uh, had a couple of things happen. Number one, I noticed for several days during our long trip that my ankles had gotten swollen. They're not swollen now, so. Um, and uh, that was, it was. You're already <laughs> clapping for that? That's awesome. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> it, was, it was very weird. Um, the other thing that happened is, is that I broke a rib. Um, I'd love to tell you I was cliff jumping or yeah, something like that. But it wasn't that. It was coughing. Yeah. <laughs> you can break a rib coughing. Oh. Uh, believe it or not, you true. can. No, I've heard of it. Um, so anyway, the trip kind of mi- ended a little bit miserable for me. And I came back, and uh, there's a six-week uh, time frame on a rib where you uh, have to basically not do much of anything. And I know I was in the seventh week, um, and, and my rib was still hurting. In fact, John Rosine from the garden was in my office, and we were meeting, and I kind of went like this. He asked what happened, and I told him, and he said, can I come around and pray for you? And I said, absolutely. I mean, I, I love the garden for its prayer. I love for its, for its healing element, um, you know, in the Holy Spirit uh, sense. And John came around, and he prayed, Holy Spirit, come. Come, come to Jim. And then he, he detected that there was things on my mind. We had talked about a few things that he knew were on my mind. Um, and he basically prayed that those things would leave so that it would clear the corridor for, um, for the healing. And I think when, it, when, I, when that flushed out of my body and then the Holy Spirit came, if my pain was a 10 when he got done, it was no more than a 1. It was amazing in my rib. Amazing. Yeah. And a, few, and a few days later, I went to the doctor for kind of a post-X-ray, and they said, you're 100% healed. So good. Hey, he, he's just getting warmed just up, getting all right? Up. <laughs> We're not... I need to backtrack and tell months. you that, that I, I've been a very healthy person. I've got parents that live long lives, and, and I've taken my health for granted. I mean, I, I felt like I had great genes. I think that is 80% of the game sometimes, but... Um, what happened next? Well, what, what happened next is my assistant noticed as we were climbing stairs and so forth to go to appointments or go to our office that I was breathing hard. And uh, about, about the beginning of the fourth quarter last year, uh, my neck and shoulder got real sore. And it wouldn't go away. You know, sometimes you sleep on it and it's bad, but it wouldn't go away. And so all this stuff is kind of happening. And uh, Zach Ernst was in my office one day from the garden. And I told him about my shoulder and my neck. And um, he did the same thing. He prayed for me, he put hands on me. He prayed out whatever was on my mind, prayed in the Holy Spirit. And when he left, I virtually had no pain in my neck and shoulder. It was, inc- it was incredible. It's pretty awesome. It was just incredible. So to say I'm a believer in the healing <laughs> prayers is yeah. an understatement. Um, but something a little more serious came Yeah, in November, uh, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. And uh, I actually went to my doctor, and yeah, my blood pressure was high, so they did an EKG. And they 
brought the results in and they said, see these two areas right here on the EKG? That would your heart did not respond when we sent the electrical impulse to those areas. That would indicate heart damage, meaning you've had some heart attack activity. And my eyeballs about came out of my head and uh, sent me to a cardiologist. Um, the cardiologist said, well, EKGs aren't perfect, but I'm going to order a nuclear, what they call a nuclear stress test and an and a echocardiogram. And I went back for that, those tests, and the echo came in good. That's kind of an ultrasound for those of you who don't know what that is on your heart. But the stress test, while I did okay on the treadmill, when they raised my heart rate, sure enough, I had some areas of my heart that weren't responding. So that, they have to go to the next level, which is called an angiogram, which is a procedure, a surgical procedure, where they insert a lineup through your groin to your heart. And they did, the, and, and anyway, I went back for another EKG just to confirm the other one, and it came in abnormal again. So all indications, swollen ankles, uh, shortness of breath, um, neck shoulder pain, all these things were just adding up. Meanwhile, I had certainly people praying for me, friends, but so many people from here, uh, and including uh, putting hands on me and, and praying, Holy Spirit, come. And uh, uh, went for the angiogram on January the 4th after walking on eggshells for six weeks, basically, doing virtually nothing because I couldn't raise my heart rate. And when I went that morning at 6 a.m. to Memorial, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of knew this was probably, there's three outcomes. One, there's nothing wrong, which was unlikely given all the scenarios. Number two, you've got blockage somewhere, you need a stent and then go on blood thinners the rest of your life. Or number three, it's significant blockage, and uh, they have to do bypass surgery. And so I went in pretty resigned that this was probably going to be a stent day for me, oh, not, not, not knowing, but praying for complete healing. And they did the procedure, and they pulled out, and they said, Mr. Eaton, there is no blockage. You're perfectly fine. Thanks, prayer. Three for three. That's good. <laughs> It's amazing to hear what God does. You know, people show up and pray, and he experiences healing, and then a, a, a very serious crisis comes into his life, and we were walking during that time. We have meetings um, together, and that was pretty serious, but what I love about the story, apart from being healed and God blessing you with that in your experience, was what also happened next, and I think this is key, because um, what, what happened next? Well, um, needless to say, I mean, I was taken, I've just so blessed and so thankful and um, uh, the power and healing presence of Jesus in my life and um, kind of opened your eyes to a lot of things. Well, about four days later, a very good friend of mine, a man of deep faith called me and he had heard that I'd had some issues and, I t and we started to talk about it. But he said, before I we start this call, I want to let you know I'm standing up during this whole call. He said, several days ago, he said, I hurt my back terribly. And he said, I can't even sit down. I went to the chiropractor yesterday and um, and he said he made it worse. And he says, I can't even, I can't even sit down for this call. So we had a long call. I told him my situation. We talked about the business at hand. And I said, before we get off this call, I want to pray for you. So we got to the end, and I, his name is Greg. And I said, Greg, I've, I've never prayed like this for anybody. I'm just going to try to duplicate the prayer that was prayed over me in these different instances that I, that I mentioned. And we're on the phone. I said, Greg, I want you to picture my warm hand on your back. And then I just prayed the Holy Spirit in, and basically the same words. I knew Greg had some things on his mind, and I prayed him through that and said, clear the channel so the Holy Spirit can come and work. Greg thanked me for the prayer. We hung up. Two hours later, I got a text from him, and he said his back was 50% better. 
and the next morning he called me excited to say it was 85% better. <laughs> so, and, and a few days later he was doing yoga, so I think Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Amazing story. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Can you give him a round of applause? That's great. I love Jim's story. Um, in his willingness to receive prayer, he's a business guy, runs a business, and his willingness to not only experience it and be willing to receive prayer, but, uh, and this is the key, the next part is the key, that we become practitioners of the stuff, that we become followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, that take everything we've experienced wherever we go. It could be a business phone call where you are extending God's way of life over the telephone and hoping that God would break in, his kingdom would break in through your faithful obedience and prayer. That's just for everyone that says yes to Jesus. There's a passage in Thessalonians. I'm gonna be a little all over the place. Normally I'm a little more put together, um, but I really just, I sensed something else today and so we're gonna, we're gonna go with whatever I sense and unfortunately you're stuck with that. So um, I don't know if this is up there. Do we have a First Thessalonians passage? Do we have that one? I don't know if it's at the end, but it's, it's in verse, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. Um, this passage, actually, a friend of mine uh, spent some time sharing this whole, this whole book and teaching this book to me over um, a short period of time. And this one passage stuck out, and this has become for me really a powerful uh, verse about what I hope for the garden. I mean, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. He's, uh, this is Paul. He says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and with joy by the Holy Spirit. And so you became, listen to this, a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from, from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Why is this so profound? Okay, Paul was in Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, for no more than 21 days. No more than 21 days. He's there for three Sabbath days and he writes to them and says they received the gospel with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, but it says that their faith has become known everywhere. This is what I hope for our church, that we would receive the gospel with conviction, with power, with the Holy Spirit, and that people would see our faith experienced here and it would be sent out to the world. Because ordinary people like Jim who is completely ordinary, and he would attest to that, like Zach and John who are praying, all of us that are ordinary, just say yes to God's way of life and watch God do what only he can do in our lives. When we step out and risk, when we step out with faith and do what Jesus invited us to do in the first place. Are you with me? Man, I'm, I'm not even in the notes right now. So when Jesus tells us, to pray. He tells these stories about being a petitioner and we're supposed to be the petitioners. In the first century, you're like a guy who goes in the middle of the night to get, ask for three loaves of bread. Now this isn't an, an unusual request. People would travel at night in the first century to avoid the heat and whenever you would have guests, you would offer them a full meal, which was what? Three loaves of bread. You guessed it right. 
You can't give them half the amount, that would be an insult. So part of the custom and hospitality in the first century was to provide that, and you would have no problems going to a neighbor in the middle of the night. That is not an unusual story. What's unusual is the response from the man, the neighbor. That's unusual. You, he would never in a million years say, the door is locked, I can't, I can't get you in here, I can't let you in. That's unusual, but the point isn't that. The point is that when we go in prayer, when we go to God in prayer, we are to have shameless audacity, boldness in our prayer, a shamelessness almost is what he's saying. And then he starts talking about asking and seeking and, 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 and knocking. And so what we see is that when we come to God in prayer, there's this sense of petitioning, this sense of request, this sense of consistent um, asking. But that's not the point either. The point of prayer is bringing God's way of life on earth as it is in heaven through your life. And the point is who God is. Because he says, hey, God's like, uh, he's not like you who are fathers that, that, that give good gifts despite how evil you are. Are you with me? So he's, he's comparing um, uh, who God, Jesus compares who God is to a neighbor who would never say that and to a father who would never give bad gifts. God knows how to give good gifts to his kids. So your ability to ask is in relationship to the type of God that you worship. Do you worship a loving, kind father who knows how to give good gifts? Your capacity to receive is connected to your audacity to seek. Are you seeking a loving father who desires to bless his kids? You know, when we pray for people, we're not praying for the outcomes. We're praying that God would love his children. And sometimes that comes with healing, sometimes it doesn't. We don't know why. why. We don't know why God doesn't heal everyone when we ask, but we do know that he says to go, he commands his followers to heal the sick. So we go and do that. To cast up demons, to raise the dead. This is what he commands his church to do. So how do we pray this way? That's the question. How do we pray like Jesus? This is kind of the framework. And, and how do we learn to pray like Jesus? Because Jesus says, how much more will the heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest gift you can receive, apparently. Because you know how to give good gifts, but God gives his spirit, his very presence in your life. Jesus was filled with the spirit. Jesus did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus tells his followers to do what he did. And they do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of us are doing what Jesus did? Jesus wants to train you to become the kind of person that can ask for anything and it will be given to you. John chapter 14. Let's use this text as a way of framing where we're gonna go. Um, and, and I'll speak specifically in just a moment about where I wanna take us because I have a, obviously a, a passion about this. I, I'm just gonna say, I don't necessarily care if we get, become a big church we will become a big church. I guarantee it. We're gonna plant churches. That's our five-year goal. We'll, we'll become a larger congregation on Sundays. That's not the goal. The goal is in Long Beach as it is in heaven, in Seal Beach, Huntington Beach, Orange County, in LA County as it is in heaven. The only way we can do that is not by growing bigger, but by growing in power. I want a powerful church. And I don't mean just power on Sundays. I mean stories like Jim's story where you're just doing what Jesus would do if he was on that phone call. 
I'm fired up. Remember, this is only for a few of you. So if you guys are getting anything, um, that's great, but it's for the three or four of you that are here. John chapter 14, 12. Listen to this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Anyone here believe in Jesus? Let's just raise our hands. Let's not, let's not be shy about this, okay? Great, cool. And whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Okay, a couple of quick things about this text. First, the first part says very truly, which means this is really important and I really mean this. Whoever believes in me, so it's not just an intellectual concept, this is about committing your life, living out this essential belief. It's about your whole existence. And then it says, well, do the works I have been doing. Now, just to be clear, what does Jesus mean by this? Well, what was he doing up until this point? Well, let me just, he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He set captives free. He prophesied. He cut the, the heart of the nation. He did miracles, signs and wonders. He raised the dead. He brought justice and peace. He brought heaven on earth. Um, that's what he was referring to. You with me? Okay, we're clear? But then he says greater things than these. Now, I don't know if what he means is greater quality. In fact, there's all, all sorts of theological debates. I don't know if it gets any better than raising the dead, right? Like, I'm not sure what miracles you don't read about in the scripture that could be greater. So I don't think it has to do with greater quality as much as it does with greater quantity. And this is the point. Greater than these because there's one Jesus, but there's tons of us. And we're gonna do what Jesus did everywhere we go, and then it's a movement. That's the point. But what do we do? What do we do? You know what we do? We go to Starbucks and have our little devotional groups. This is what he means by making disciples. We read our little Jesus calling for five minutes and we don't have space for life of the kingdom to invade our very existence so that wherever we go, we bring the presence of heaven on earth into these spaces with power and authority like Jesus. We have adopted a consumer Christianity that's about the culture we swim in, which is just about being good and moral, paying some taxes to the church here and there, and showing up to community group, which I agree, rather than allowing Jesus to, very ch to change the very essence of who we are so that we actually are equipped to do what he would do if he were us in this situation. That's the goal. It is what would Jesus do, after all. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be redefined. It's yes, what did he do? Let's do what Jesus did, but let us also do what Jesus would do if he were you in the situation, right? So it's not let's go back to first century and debate context. No, if he was you as a single mom at the park, what would Jesus want in that moment? And we, we create this Christian culture that makes you the center of the universe and you are not the center of the universe. Jesus is. <laughs> 
Through him, all things were created and made and sustained. He is the life-giving force that sustains all of the universe. And so we have him at the center and we just are products of him and allowing him to fill our lives so that we will become and do the things that Jesus wants us to do. To do excuse me. So if, it, well, if it's greater things qualitative or greater things quantity, it doesn't, what, he, what he, we know for certain, whether it's one or the other, is that what, he, what Jesus means by greater it means that he doesn't mean lesser, right? <laughs> so if there's anything I can teach you, it, it, it doesn't mean we'll do lesser than him. He says greater. So we are called to do what Jesus would do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is about being open to what God is doing. So then the question for me then is, how do we pray like Jesus becomes and how do we operate with power? Because Jesus was a man of authority and power. In fact, Luke 9 records this. Jesus says, or sorry, the text says this. Luke says this. When, when Jesus had called the 12 together, listen to what it says. He gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus will do this in, in Luke twice in different places. He'll do this in Acts and he'll do this in the gospel of Matthew and Mark. He'll give his followers power and authority to do what he did. So we as a church are given power and authority to do what Jesus did. In order to pray like Jesus, we need to operate with authority and power. Now this is gonna be new for some of you. And if you're new to the church, what a great place to start. You don't have all the baggage. You get to start right here. Yes, you're called to cure diseases, to liberate those held in bondage. And you know who, who, are, who are held in captive? Most people, identity. People are caught in identity issues, anxiety. Imagine having the power to watch God liberate people that are afraid of everything and bring a fearlessness. You are invited into this ministry. So wherever you are, power and authority is what you have as a follower of Jesus. And if you're new to the church, the only way you get this is through Jesus. So you gotta come to him first. So authority, by definition, is the right to act in a specific way, okay? So you have the right to act in a specific way. So just, you know, I, I was a good kid growing up, um, and, and I didn't really get in trouble. My mom would sometimes, you know, try to punish me. My mom's too generous and kind and loving. You know my mom, she goes here. And, um, but, but really, like, if I did mess up, if my dad came home, he didn't have to say anything, and I knew he had the authority to make things happen. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what? So the difference between power is my mom had the ability to do it. She had the right to do it. She had the capacity to do it. Authority is, is, when, uh, is when a child just sees the look and they already know I'm back. I'm going back this way. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like my son and I, we're, he loves me and my wife equally. He loves my wife a little more right now because he's mom, she's mommy. And, and I'll try to, you know, say, no, Ezra, you can't do that. And, and I'll say it like a, a hundred times, you know, and he, he, we just play around a little too much maybe. And, and it's just not there, but Alex can just say no. And it's just like, yep, I'm listening, you know, whatever, whatever it is, that's authority, okay? Now, power is the ability to do it. It's, it's the capacity to do something. 
It's the capacity. It's the, you, have, you have the ability to do it. Authority is the right to do it because you, you're in a role and we are under Jesus' authority so he takes, he, we are sitting under his authority but, but he then gives us not only his authority, he gives us the power to do it. But we're not using it. It's like when I was putting up blinds in our house and I realized um, that it would be way faster to use a power drill than my, my hand tool. It took me like 12 blinds to finally figure that out. <laughs> I wasn't using the power. I wanted to bring power tools and have a competition, but I didn't, so I didn't have time for that. Um, but we, we have the power. Acts 1 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So how then, how do we grow in power? How do we grow in power? And this is the lesson I wanted to teach. It's, a, it's a, gonna be a brief lesson. And, and um, there is a direct connection between our relationship with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through our lives. There's a connection between our relationship with the Holy Spirit and the power we see of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Or you could say there's a direct connection between how we live our lives and the level of power that we see in our lives. I'm gonna borrow this from a, a man named Jordan Sang who wrote a book called Miracle Work. Highly recommend it. But he gives this equation, and maybe this is helpful. It's, it's biblical because you see it, um, but I, I wanna talk through on how we can grow in power as a church. Does that interest any of you? Because there's three of you, I think it will. But the rest of you, hopefully you'll learn something again. It says this, intimacy with God plus holiness plus gifts of the Spirit and plus faith equals growing in power in your life. I'm gonna talk through this real quick. Now, what I don't want you to hear is that this is a formula to get what you want from God. It's not that. It's not that if you follow this formula, you will experience greater power um, and, and have your prayers answered. That's not the point. The point, though, is that there are um, some correlations here where we have a relationship between these things and the level of power we experience in our lives, okay? I, I've shared how many stories of me trying to pray for someone to be healed, hundreds of stories of people not getting healed, and a handful of people experiencing healing. And, and um, I, I wanna talk through how I think we can grow in seeing power in our prayers on a regular basis. You with me? Okay, so here's the equation. Our ongoing loving relationship with God, our ongoing loving relationship with God, uh, plus our character alignment with God's way of life, holiness, plus the gifts that God bestows through his spirit on us, exercised or practiced, plus faith, which is living in and out of the reality of what is true, exercised or practiced, equals growing in power. Okay, so let's talk through this. Intimacy, we've talked about this. Intimacy with God is an ongoing loving relationship with God. Prayer is primarily about relationships. So how do we learn to grow in an intimate relationship with God? Well, this takes time, energy, practice. You need to grow up with God and walk with him in your day-to-day -day life. Galatians says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's a quote from John Wimber, and I love this. So we need to grow uh, an intimate relationship with God. We talked about this last week. John Wimber says this in regards to prayer. When I speak of listening to God's voice, I mean developing a practice of communion with the Father in which we are in constant asking, Lord, what do you want to do now? 
How do you want to use me? How should I pray? Whom do you want me to evangelize? Is there someone that you want to heal? Sometimes he gives me specific insights about people for whom I am praying. These come as impressions, specific words, pictures in my mind's eye, physical sensations in my body that corresponds to problems in their bodies. These impressions help me know who and what to pray for and how to pray. So we teach this in our prayer training class. And this would be the goal. Intimacy is developing in this relationship with God where you learn how to hear his voice, how he speaks to you. When we pray for people up here and when they come forward, sometimes we get words of knowledge. We know things about people that we shouldn't know outside of God giving us a gift for that moment for that person. And what happens when, that, when, when you get a word of knowledge, when someone is receiving prayer and they receive a word of knowledge, their faith grows how on earth do you know this? I, I haven't told you anything. And all of a sudden their faith grows and God begins to do more in their life because of it. Because God loves his kids. You can grow as a person that can walk into a Starbucks and say in your head, God, what are you doing here? Is there anyone here that you want me to pray for? You can learn to walk with Jesus in an intimate way where he will speak to you regularly. Does that sound crazy? No, I hope not. This is what Jesus meant. This is what he means. This is what he wants for his beautiful bride whom he loves and gave his life for. To live in perfect relationship with God. To live in a relationship where it's not just about your life. It's about his way of life moving forth through your life. So develop intimacy, and this comes with spiritual disciplines, practices, doing things um, intentionally because they, they're so um, unnatural for you. So develop an intimacy with God. Read your scripture, worship him regularly, pray, journal, fast, um, do retreats, silent retreats, do all the disciplines, not for the sake of doing them, but for growing in intimacy with God. Can we commit to that? This is where it all begins. The point of power isn't the power. The point is right relationship with God. Okay. Whew. Second thing is holiness. Holiness, it means to be set apart for God's special purposes and to be set apart from and to be set apart for. And the perfect illustration is found in the scripture when Israel was called as a nation. God called them apart from all other nations to do what? To represent him on earth, to be a kingdom of priests a holy nation. So holiness is, is a word that I think we, we, we get afraid of in the church because it's, it's used in a way um, that we feel all sorts of shame and guilt, don't we? When I talk about pursuing holiness, we, we immediately think I'm not good enough and now I have to do these things so that God will hear my prayers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the level of power you'll experience. What, what I'm saying is when you set your, part, your life apart, when you begin to live in God's ways, you will walk with him in an intentional way. As a byproduct, power will result. So to be set apart from is to be set apart from the ways of the world, greed and violence and jealousy and morality and pride. And to be set apart for is living in the ways of God, bringing his kingdom, bringing his life. And so um, we need to step into this. We need to call out our sin and brokenness. We need to pursue holiness as a lifestyle of obedience with God. Can we do this? Now, it, God won't love you more because you do this. He loves you already perfectly well. 
There's nothing you can do to earn his favor or love. But by pursuing holiness in your life, you will begin to walk in the ways that Jesus walked. You will do what Jesus did because he was sinless and perfect and holy. Are you with me? So holiness is learning to walk away from temptation. And it's learning to train yourself in God's way of life. You're choosing to train yourself to do what God would do, what God would want you to do without having to think about it. Okay, that's what holiness will do. And we struggle with this. Does anyone else struggle with this? Does anyone else struggle with this? You know what I thought in this moment? I wanted to create just a quick experience. Because I felt like as I talk about experiencing power in your life, um, and we're going to go over today. I'm not even worried about the clock now. I've been usually rushed. I don't care anymore. I'm going to talk about this text. Here's, here's what I want to tell you. Who's, can we just be really honest? Who struggles with sin in their life? Okay. Now, let's, just, let's not raise our hands. What I thought some of us might do as I talk about this is two things are going to happen. Some of you are going to feel disqualified that you've done so much wrong in your life or something bad, there's this eternal sin that you've sinned that disqualifies you from doing ministry like I've just described. And um, that some of you feel that way. Would you agree? That you're, what, when you come to God, what comes up first is all your junk, all your, all your sin, all your brokenness, all your pain, all the things that you did this last week. The second thing that's gonna happen is some of you are gonna feel unqualified. I'm not, I don't have enough education. I haven't read the Bible. I'm too young. I'm too old. I didn't learn this in the church. I'm, but I, I wanna just get rid of all of those kind of fears, I suppose, or those things that would keep us from stepping into this. So for those of you that feel disqualified, would you just pray the prayer that I wrote this morning about my life? This is just a personal prayer, okay? And if you wanna pray with me, why don't you do this? Close your eyes. I'm just gonna pray this. So for those of us that don't feel um, that holiness is something that we have or it's too hard to pursue, let's just, let's just make sure that we, we're not feeling disqualified, so we'll just pray this prayer. Father in heaven, make your name holy. Just say it in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. This is what I pray this today. Thank you for all you do in my life. Thank you for the cross, for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, I just confess my sins. I confess my pride. I confess my insecurity that doesn't see who you call me to be. I confess my elevated self view of myself that I'm, I think I'm too good sometimes than I really am. Lord, may I simply see you the way you see me. I confess my self-centeredness, my distractions. I get focused on the wrong things too much. I confess my anger, my need to control people's outcomes, need to control people, need to control things in my life. I get angry when they don't go my way. I open myself up to you. I confess my lust, my desire to escape life with pleasure and entertainment. I confess my gluttony, my insatiable appetite. I confess my jealousy and my envy. I confess the ways that I deceive others and exaggerate truths to make myself look better. Lord, I'm messed up and I keep messing up this life. Forgive me, forgive me again and help me walk in your ways. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. You've already forgiven it. <laughs> thank you for your grace. I've already experienced it. May I live it out now. Lord, take away all unnecessary, unnecessary guilt. Remove my shame. I am your son or your daughter. May I live now in holiness and intimacy and may I experience your power, amen. Okay, if you pray, if you pray that prayer, you're good to go, okay? Let's keep going. So holiness, the third thing is, or the third thing is gifts. Um, Paul writes this, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributed them, distributes them, excuse me. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is uh, the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a word or message of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge by, the mean, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits or discernment. To another, speaking in all different kinds of tongues and to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, God gives gifts, okay? I grew up in a church where uh, they didn't believe in that necessarily. They were for today and then I grew up thinking that once I did believe in the spiritual gifts that you get one. That's not true either, okay? All of the gifts are distributed to all of the church that's depending on what per, a person needs in the moment. So if you're praying for someone who's sick, you're hoping that you ex- that person experienced the gift of healing, right? It's not your gift, the person praying. It's the person that receives the gift of healing. Who's it for? Who's it for? The person that receives it. They're not about you. Gifts aren't about you. Now let's talk about how do you grow in gifts, by exercising them, by practicing the gifts. How do you grow at anything? By trying to do it well over a long period of time. The only way you're gonna get good at prophecy is by trying prophecy all the time. You're only only gonna get good at praying for sick people and seeing healing by praying for lots of sick people. This is how it works. There's not some miraculous, there's not, you gotta practice it. So intimacy with God plus holiness plus the gifts which God gives, but basically being in a worshiping community where you can practice your gifts. That's key to experiencing power. Are you with me? Where is the perfect place to practice your gifts? Community groups. Just so happens that you can sign up for them. Okay. So practice your gifts. And the, the, the fourth equation is, is um, part is essential is faith. Now, there's no doubt that faith is connected to experiencing the power of God in your life. Um, this is how we see miracles. The gift of faith is the person's ability to see God move in their life, right? I have crazy friends that um, don't live on budgets um, that have been called by God to live in a prophetic kind of stance where they trust God for everything. And God continually provides for them over time. And I mean crazy things like rent checks coming in the day it's due of thousands of dollars, um, of, of food being literally miraculously provided in there in the refrigerator after they gave it away. Um, this is what you call a person of great faith. Faith is living in what is true. So faith, we've defined it as, as Bill has defined it as standing in the reality of what is true. So faith is not passive, it's active. Faith is stepping out of the boat before you know you will walk on the water. Faith is putting your foot in the water to watch God spread the seas like in Joshua. Faith is actively exercising what you believe to be actually true. So faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So how do you grow in power? Well, you have to live out of faith and this is so dangerous. Because we live in our comfortable society and culture. Everything is built around your comforts. And the last thing you want to do is pray for healing and fail. Or even worse, they think less of you. 
right? You don't want to ask somebody in line at Starbucks after you have this word that they might have a painful a ba- a pain in their back and, and you, you don't want to say, do you have pain in your back? Because what are they going to do? They're going to say, no, darn. <laughs> How many of you are afraid of that? Let's just be real. I don't, I don't want to be seen as weird or a Jesus freak. That is undermining the movement of God in the world because you've made it about comfort. You've made it about what you feel. You made it about what other people think of you. And guess what that's called? Idolatry. Faith is actively standing in what is real and true. Jordan's saying, writes this, God's main goal is to encourage us to trust his love. So it makes perfect sense that he would arrange things so that power flows most easily through those who fully trust or have faith, his compassionate generosity in providing it. Fully trust his compassionate generosity in providing it. So I'd put it this way, miracle working faith believes that God is genuinely eager for goodness, the goodness of miracles. Think about this. When you step out in faith, you are simply saying, God, I know you want to love your kid. That's what you're saying. God, I know you want to bless this person. Bless it in my humiliation. May I be seen as crazy for your sake of loving your kids. That's faith. And when you step out, that's the only time you'll see his power. It's when you're at the end of the rope in your life, when you don't have any more hope and you step out in that that Hail Mary prayer to see God catch you, that's power. Brothers and sisters, we need a movement to transform the world. We need a movement to see God's kingdom come in Long Beach as as it is in heaven. We need a movement and it's gonna happen not because we arranged it through the social media campaigns or through websites or, or, or orchestrating it. It's gonna happen because you step out with authority and power that you rightfully have when you say Jesus is Lord. How many of you need power to end a a dysfunctional relationship? How many of you need power to get through this week because you're struggling with all sorts of junk in your life? Depression, anxiety, fear, you've been crippled. How many of you need to experience the power in your life? Well, how do you grow? Live in an ongoing loving relationship with God. Pursue his way of life in your life, holiness. Pursue it. Say no to the ways of the world and say yes to the way of the kingdom. Practice your gifts. When you show up to a community group and don't bring your full self with all of your bumps and bruises and sin, all of your your, your insecurities and fear, as well as all of your gifts and strengths, our church suffers because you're not here. And you grow in faith by walking out this thing called uh, Christianity by living it out. There's no secret. You can't grow in faith by hoping you're gonna sit in your room, read your Bible, and have greater faith. The only way you grow is by stepping out and doing it. Are you with me? By risking. So faith is about risk. Faith is about stepping out of the boat. Faith has the courage to stand up. When somebody says to you, pick up your mat and walk, Faith has the capacity to seek over and over and over again, to ask over and over and over again, and to knock over and over and over again. And eventually that faith will move mountains because that's what Jesus promises.
Growing in faith is simply living out what you know to be true. I want to see our church grow in power. I want to see our church grow in the character of God, his goodness and his love. And I want to see it while I'm still here. So I invite you to pray like Jesus, to do what he would do if he were you in this situation, to bring the kingdom of heaven in your ordinary life, wherever you go, and to be released from this point forward as a minister of reconciliation, as a herald of the gospel of the kingdom, as a practitioner of justice and peace, wholeness and righteousness, and the kingdom of heaven at your fingertips. Will you do this? What keeps you from it? Fear? Yep. Unfamiliarity? You're not used to it? You're not part of this type of church? You haven't grown up in this? You haven't experienced it for yourself? Maybe you're preoccupied, disinterested, distracted with your own life, so you don't really care what God has for you, but brothers and sisters, if we want to be a church that has a faith that rings out everywhere with deep conviction, with power and the Holy Spirit, then it's gonna take you being released for the ministry that God has for you. So pray like Jesus. Pray like Jesus in your life and experience God's God's goodness and power. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.